0: Hello,
1: everybody, and welcome to Cat Talk Radio. I'm your host, Molly DeVos, and I'm here today to give you resources to make life with your cat more rewarding and, of course, behavior free or problem behavior free, I should say, because cats have normal behaviors that are wonderful too. So, we're doing this because Cat Talk Radio is an outreach program of cat behavior solutions which is a nonprofit that's dedicated to reducing cat shelter surrender and turning cats outside by correcting and preventing behavior issues in the home before you ever get to your wit's end and want to get rid of that cat that's peeing in your shoes. Cat Behavior Solutions resources include this, Cat Talk Radio, a weekly behavior advice education podcast. And we have an information-rich blog and social media threads. I'll do virtual and in-home consultations with you, educational seminars, and speaking engagements, because as long as shelter euthanasia is the number one cause of death in cats, we're on a mission to get you as much information as we possibly can. And if you'd like to help keep us on the air and help populate these resources, please consider making a donation. You can find a link to PayPal on our website at catbehaviorsolutions.org. We are completely donor-funded and volunteer-run. Any amount helps keep this information flowing to you free of charge. And today we are joined by a very special guest, Quincy Sweeney. Welcome, Quincy.
2: Hi, great to be here.
1: I asked Quincy here today because I get a lot of behavior calls for dog and cat problems. Now, we've done lots of shows about, you know, cats rule, dogs drool, and things <laughs> like that. <laughs> but rarely do we have any very, I would say, valuable dog information on this show. So today is going to change all that because cats and dogs not getting along can be a very serious topic. I mean, cats can develop behavior issues very quickly and continual stress on a cat, you know, can contribute to some some serious health issues. And in extreme cases, a, a dog that's that's not, um, not kept in check around a cat could, could even kill a cat. So I asked Quincy here today to help us with the dog side of this equation. Quincy actually has a master's degree in animal welfare science, ethics, and law from the University of Glasgow, and she has trained everything from pigs and dogs to hyenas and mountain lions, and currently Quincy is the Director of Behavior and Training that I have the pleasure of working with here in Santa Fe. She's at the Santa Fe Humane Society and Animal Shelter here in New Mexico. So we're anxious to hear your side of this equation. So let's, let's start with the, the calls I've gotten this last week had to deal with people who've had a cat and then all of a sudden get a dog, either a new dog or, you know, an additional dog to the family oftentimes a puppy, and then they wonder why the cats developed behavior issues. So I want to start with that first introduction. Now, I recommend that people introduce cats in this lengthy, slow way because cats are so territorial, and you know, you put one cat in a room, the new cat in a room, and you swap spaces for a week, and then all these slow introductions. How do you recommend people introduce that new dog or puppy to a household with a cat?
2: In, in a very similar way. Um, I think the slower is always better for cats, right? They take time. Um, the, the dog, I got to admit in this kind of scenario, is less likely to have problems with cats Um, and so it's more you want to make sure that your home cat is really has the time to adjust Um, so we recommend the same um, kind of keeping them apart from each other until they can kind of familiarize themselves or familiarize um, with the, with the new, um, family member, um, whether it be your cat that you've had for a while and a new puppy dog, um, keeping them in separate spaces and just letting them sniff through the door, um, just, you know, slowly introducing the scent, swapping rooms, um, really making sure that you're not moving faster than your cat, um, can tolerate. And, you know, we really emphasize kind of Paying attention to your cat, you know what your cat's normal behavior is in terms of eating, um, using the litter box. All of those things are a good indicator of how are they handling um, knowing that this new dog is in the home. Um, yeah, so we recommend going slow and that same, same process. Um, yeah, even though the puppy or dog is probably eager to meet the cat.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and with cats, you know, they, they live through their noses. Their, their eyesight's not that great. And whereas dogs are really good at recognizing faces and even facial expressions, cats are really all about the way things smell. So would you recommend, you know, scent swapping with swapping bedding and things like that as well when they're isolated in those first days yeah. or weeks?
2: Yeah. So that first, the you know, through the through the door is a great start. But then eventually, swapping out bedding material, you know, moving the um, bedding from one uh, side to the other, or swapping locations. Where, you know, the dog is initially in one room. Cat has free roam of the house. Swapping the cat into that room so they can kind of scent the the um, dog where he's been, um, and moving the the dog out into the main house. Um, you know making sure that you're really giving them a chance to kind of explore on their own and not pushing it you know not forcing that interaction
1: right and then there's a there and and after you do all that obviously the first real face to face introduction without a barrier it's always recommended to have your dog on a leash for those leash introductions and maybe even the cat i, I always figured let the cat run if the cat's going to run but but when yeah. the dog is on a on a leash and introducing to the cat what do you do when the dog bolts at the cat on a leash yeah. leashed introduction
2: yeah, so this is one of those scenarios, you know, I think the the scent is important that we go slow with that, but I also recommend that, you know, if you have a new dog in the home, you need to be working on it um, in preparation to meet this cat for the first time by kind of training some behaviors that will be useful when they see the cat. The control behaviors, these kind of, um, these behaviors that uh, give the dog an alternative behavior. So, Most dogs will want to chase a cat, right? Most humans say that is not acceptable, right? We're gonna just say safety first for the cat and um, making sure that that is happening. The key to that is giving the dog an option and a way to be rewarded without chasing the cat. So um, while you're doing all this initial scent work, that's when I would say, make sure you're teaching your dog to sit They could have a, it would be great if they have a bed that they're supposed to, that you can train them to go to their bed, a lie down, a calming behavior um, for them so that when they first see the cat, you can ask them to go into that sit. That way the the dog has a way to earn a reward, right? So you're training the dog uh, to sit using, you know, treats, um, attention, and that same behavior should be rewarded when they see the cat. The key to for me um, for a dog, a successful dog and cat relationship is that the dog does not think the cat is constantly something to play with to chase um, to do any of those things. I would much rather the cat be a neutral thing that the dog you know dog sees it just like a piece of furniture. Right. It sounds kind of cruel, you know, harsh, but I would rather the dog ignore the cat um, and not think of it as uh, their best friend, especially to start just because of the safety issues. Um, So, you know, I I also agree with the um, cats on leash potentially can be good. You want the cat... But then there is the problem of escaping, or sorry, the, the cat running quickly and that triggering some potential uh, prey drive in the dog. So, um, you know, if, if it can be done through a baby gate, you know, the cat is uh, safe on the other side, possibly up high in a, in a place that they feel comfortable, they're less likely to run away from. And then you're giving the dog a chance to see the cat, but you're asking the dog to sit. To lie mm-hmm.
1: down at the yeah. same
2: time. Yeah. Um, and they, yeah, mm-hmm. oh, go ahead.
1: Well, I was going to say what you'd mentioned, you know, the dog having a strong prey drive. So usually when I'm in the shelter and people come in and say they want to, you know, cat test a dog, which we don't allow. But a lot of people think if they walk a dog in the cat room, they're going to get any kind of judging idea of how well a dog's going to do with a cat, which is just silly from both sides of that. And, of course, leaves the cats all riled up in the shelter uh, for redirected aggression for the next person trying to adopt. Up so that we, yeah. we all know that doesn't work but how do you know how do you know if a dog has a strong prey drive are there are there some breed rules can you tell by looking at a dog are there ways to test a dog before you decide to adopt one whether it's going to have a strong prey drive you know
2: i think this is really a time to talk to your adoption counselor about the individual dog um, <clears throat> most shelters do not um, do a specific prey drive test, mostly because um, it's cruel for the other animal that's being tested upon. You know, we wouldn't want to have a cat that's in a room and with dogs all day, it would just be cruel. So um, most of what we know about prey drive uh, regarding an individual dog um, comes from previous um, guardians, those that have, you know, owned that pet before, or um, specific incidents at the shelter itself, right? So if we have a dog that, um, you know, every time it's out in a yard, uh, running around, it always is chasing after lizards, we would assume that they would have a prey drive um, for a cat or a squirrel, something like that. Um, So this is really a place to be honest about what you're looking for in a dog when um, you go and uh, adopt. it, there are definitely some breed trends. You know, those that have been trained to, to flush prey are more likely to chase after um, any, any animal that's running. Um, but that being said, right, that this is really an individual I would say, um, and specific behaviors to look for um, that are concerning for me when it comes to prey drive is really that fixation, right? So to me, a fixation, you know, you're watching the dog and you're seeing, um, they just can't look away from the cat, right? They just can't, can't look away. They they know if they hear or see or smell that there's a cat anywhere in the room. They're finding it. They're looking for it. That to me um, is a level of interest in a cat that that really concerns me um, for long-term introduct like long-term success in the home. That being said, it can be done, um, and I think that's where uh, we get to the next step of training, which is it's good to have these kind of. Con- you know, control behaviors, right? Dog is sitting, dog is lying down. They can't be chasing a cat at the same time, right? It's an alternative behavior that prevents, you know, other negative behaviors. They can't, we can't do both at the same time. Um, But also kind of rewarding a dog for ignoring the cat, right? The dog sees the cat, looks away from the cat. You give a treat right then right? Dog knows the cat's in the room and moves away from the cat, reward then, right? We want to be constantly, we, we want to make sure that the dog is not um, punished when the cat is around and instead is rewarded for some of these good behaviors um, because we also don't want the dog to start associating the cat with, um, you know, that's when my human gets really... Mad at me, um, because that can have some some displaced um, aggression upon the cat. Right,
1: the the dog mm-hmm. can start to resent
2: when the cat is around.
1: Um, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. That's yeah, and and I think it's. I think it's obvious. You know, I think we should talk about wh- what to expect. Expectations here is probably not realistic to expect that you're going to adopt a puppy or a dog and bring it home, and it's going to sniff your cat and wag its tail and lick it in the face, and your cat's going to purr and rub up against it. I mean, that's that's, that's not going to happen. I mean, right? That's in the movies or something. So, yeah, yeah.
2: That's that's a trained behavior from both. Right and the dog have to be
1: trained to like <laughs> each other like that. Yeah, right. So I mean I think you know from from the cat's perspective what you can expect is the cat's going to hiss, maybe mm-hmm. swat, probably mm-hmm. run because here's this typically bigger, certainly smelly new mm-hmm. thing in the house that's yeah. moving faster than it's comfortable with and you know yeah. wanting to sniff it and and moving towards it. So the cat's probably going to hiss and retreat and maybe, you know, swat at the, at the dog. But, you know, chasing the cat is one of the biggest problems that, that I hear. And how do you recommend, you know, if you obviously the alternate behaviors of sit, lie down, stay, those kinds of things. But if you've got a dog that just can't help it and it sees the cat and the cat sees the dog and runs and the dog chases the cat, what can you do about that?
2: So, so really, you know, this is one of those things where if we can try to get a jump on it ahead of the, before they start to chase, right. Because the minute a dog has kind of transitioned to that chase behavior, they're kind of beyond um, learn, but beyond uh, you're going to have to have like a very, very strong behavior, right. A dog that has started to chase a cat and you yell, sit. very, very unlikely that that dog's like, all right, I remember, because they kind of have to switch modes of their brain, right, from this kind of instinctual brain to this learning brain. So we can't really expect um, to be able, without a great deal of training, to kind of control um, the behavior once it's started. So I would say prevention, 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 in terms of making sure that your cat has a safe place to retreat to so that they don't have to run all over the house. Instead, they can just jump up, right? Removing themselves that way. Um, and I think also not pushing it because if we go slow, we can teach the dog to do other things around the cat, right? Seize the cat, it should come over and sit down next to you, right? So That's really the way to... Kind of manage prior to. I would also say keep your dog on leash. Right, that when a dog and a cat are with each other, you sh- you should be there. You know, for at least a month, I would say the dog and cat should not be alone together. Um, and the dog can just have a leash on because if you know, even the best trained dogs. You know, the first three months or so that a dog is home, um, they're really learning so much. Um, and we want to make sure that if, if a, you know, a perfect, you've never seen problems before, and they can still, um, you know, chase after. And we want to be able to grab that leash to keep that cat safe. Um, yeah. But making cats have places to get away from the dog, right? Having that baby set up, having that safe room, having high, um, you know, tops of counters, (laughs) tops of bookshelves. Um, You know, I love shelving and, you know, cat walkways. You know, places for cats to retreat to is hugely important Mm -hmm. Uh, for, you know, safety of the cat. But also, you know, they need to feel welfare, themselves, right? They should feel safe.
1: Right. And that, and that you know, the baby gate uh, reminds me of another, uh, another issue I got a call on this past week. But, you know, we recommend putting baby gates up. They, they make these baby gates with cat doors in them so your dog yeah. can't go over the gate but the cat can go can go through the gate and that's and that's really great and really tall cat trees the taller the better yes. and as yeah. quincy's saying you know st- stagger stepped shelving systems where cats can get way up high and walk around At the top of the room, but make sure that you have two exit paths so that if a cat goes up, it can come down in another location. And I had a I had a consult young lady that actually works at the, the Dallas municipal shelter, has several dogs and got a new cat that was just terrified of these dogs. So we did the, the baby gate thing with the cat door, and then she put up this shelving system that led from the room, the cat's room, because the cats had their own room, from nice. the cat room all the way through the living room and the kitchen. So the cat could pretty much move, move all over the house at an elevated area.
2: <laughs> yeah, never having to touch the ground. it. Right. Yeah and, and
1: after and it you know and it, and it made it feel much more confident and comfortable and and after a while the cat came down it's not like the cat just lived up there it right. you know it it came yeah. down and interacted with the dogs and that and that worked out real well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well and I I think the other uh, yeah I love having places for cats to retreat to right I mean regardless of if there's a dog or not but I I think also thinking back about the the question of expectations even the most perfect, well-adjusted, cheerful, no-prey drive dog is still going to be rude, according to the cat. Right? Dogs interact completely differently with each other, and they they think they're being friendly and saying hello in a great, you know, wagging tail, licking kind of way. That's fine if you're a dog. Um, the cat can never be expected. To accept the way that the dog greets them, right that that is not something that comes naturally um, to a cat right we 've got two different species we 've got two entirely different body language communication styles um, so you know you have a great dog and a great cat that doesn 't mean necess- you know that they understand each other and giving them the time and you know a cat. Having space to observe the dog, um, you know, can only lead to good things. That time yeah. and yeah, okay. not expecting the, that you know your your perfect cheerful puppy is not going to be hissed at and swatted at.
1: Yeah. Right. I, I, someone reached out to me this last week and said that this new puppy had totally changed her cat's personality because the cat used to be, you know, very social and in the living spaces and hanging out on the sofas when they watch TV and, and you know, a integrated part of their lives. And then as soon as they get this new puppy, the cat's hanging out, you know, on the cat tree in the bedroom and doesn't come out anymore. And And I say to that. You know, there's a lot of that to be expected. You've brought this gregarious, smelly little creature in the house that the cat's just like that's invaded my space, so I'm just gonna stay over here where it's comfortable and it doesn't, you know, stick its nose up my butt every time I I get down. And I think people should think about that, you know, before they adopt a new dog, you know, or or a new puppy, that it very well may change your cat's personality and the way it interacts with you potentially forever.
2: For sure, for sure. Um, and, you know, I, when I think about this too, I, I think about, um, you know, in that situation, I would hope that um, people give their cats some no dog time with their human, right? The the cats, you've got a, a bonded, you know, they've bonded to you. They they have a certain sense of normalcy. Um, and, you know, it just, you can't expect that, continue and you know i i say train um sit and lie down and go to your bed but i love it what you know this dogs all should be trained to go in a crate right it's not just for uh traveling in a car or going to the vet but crate training your dog is a great great behavior um you know that that's where you can feed it's great for pup for potty training your dog it's great from so many different um Aspects, but I also think of you know this is a situation when you know the, you're watching TV at the you know end of the day, put your dog in the crate, let the cat be back in charge of the house for a little while, you know, yeah. give that that kind of safety where they can like see oh the dog's in the crate. I can come out and do what I normally do. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and that's and that's a perfect opportunity to positively reward the cat for remaining calm um, in the presence okay. of the dog too. Exactly. That you know, yeah. luring that cat over near the crate, long as the dog's not barking and, and jumping and being crazy, but lure the cat near the crate and positively reward the cat in the presence of the dog will help that's as right. well.
2: Exactly. Yeah, I would much rather in general, like, um, confine the dog, either via a crate or um, a leash and let the cat kind of explore just because I think they need the space and the time and their own um,
1: pace more than the dog. Well, and one thing I don't, ever recommend people do and some trainers are out there telling people to crate their cat and let the dog come around the crate to get used to it's the worst thing you could Uh possibly do to a to a cat cats do not do well in confined spaces and uh, that will absolutely traumatize your cat potentially permanently so
2: yeah yeah that's not going to end well with long term with their relationship that is yeah that right yeah I completely agree, talk about stressing out your cat that's going to have some behavioral repercussions down the line, yeah yeah.
1: I had another client that has a new puppy and uh, was was wanting to know how to get the cat to sleep with them again because they have the new puppy crated in the bedroom and they were complaining that the cat used to cuddle with them and sleep with them all night. And now the cat doesn't come in the bedroom. And I thought, well, the easy answer to that is move the crate out of the bedroom, right? Because (laughs) the dog is crated. It doesn't need to be in the bedroom. Move it outside the bedroom and, and let that let that cat claim that space again, right?
2: Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think, you know, if you're, we can't expect, well, we can't expect to have it all sometimes, right? That like, we can't have the puppy curled up on one side of the bed and the cat curled up on the other side of the bed, right? We have to kind of give both of the animals involved you know, time to be naturally themselves. And, you know, there is a chance I can kind of picture it If over, you know, months and months, the cat learning that it's fine to come into the bedroom. But, you know, the puppies in the crate. Yeah. 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 You can't move the cat, of the cat. Move the if you want the cat to be on your bed, move the dog outside of your bedroom, I think is the easiest. Yeah. Sure.
1: Yeah. Well, in respect that cat's space. I mean, that cat's been there for years, and that's where it sleeps. And that that incumbent animal <laughs> that you made that first responsibility commitment to, I think, also has a little bit of an obligation to to rule in those instances as well.
2: Well, and I think that kind of, if you give them that control over some space, then you are less likely to see problem behaviors in other arenas, whether it be using the litter box or not eating or, you know, cats can express their stress in so many different ways. I think we can, by giving them some control over a space, we can improve behaviors across the board. So,
1: yeah. Absolutely. And speaking of litter, okay, so the biggest problem I hear because I you know, I recommend, of course, one more litter box, than numbers of cats, and that very importantly, they be open-top litter boxes, especially in multi-cat households, because cats, you know, if they feel trapped, they're much less likely to use the litter box. And households that have dogs, I always hear, I can't have an uncovered litter box because my dog eats the cat poop. Now, in a lot of cases, I say, well, Put a baby gate up in that doorway to that room and uncover that litter box. But um, in cases where you can't put a baby gate up and that doesn't work in your space, how do you teach a dog not to eat cat poop or to drag it out of the box? I told her yeah. by the way that hey, it's organic. Let it eat the cat poop. You don't have to worry about scooping it, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like there there is part of me that says this is this is more of a human problem than a dog problem, right? So the dog is mostly I'm not a vet, but it in most cases it's not harming your dog to eat the poop. That being said, it's disgusting for us. And it's also, you know the cat's not going to like that the dog is going into this, you know, personal space. Um, yeah. So I also recommend, um, giving, uh, attempting to keep to prevent the dog from doing it at all. That's the starting point, whether it be, um, baby gates or some elevation or, um, you know, a a cat door into the laundry room where the, uh, the litter box is, or, you know, just not allowing the dog into rooms where there are litter boxes. Um, so that's, that's the first thing is that management just trying to prevent it. The second thing, um, I would say is that you can teach your dog to leave things, right? Just like, um, you know, you drop a piece of food on the floor and you teach your dog to leave it. That is the next thing i would say um so this is a pretty it's a basic behavior but it does take a lot of time and consistency to train Um, and pretty much what you do is you start out with a piece of food in your hand you wait uh, that you show it to you show the dog that you have a piece of food that they like in your hand you know hot dog or piece of kibble something that You know, is dog safe? Um, And you let the dog lick, lick, lick your hand. The minute they stop licking your hand and look away, you then give it to your dog. You do this again and again and again until your dog is no longer attempting to get the food without you handing it to them. You can then put the food on the floor, kind of covering it with your hand or your foot, preventing them from accessing it the minute they ignore it, they then you give them another piece of food. So basically, teaching um, the dog that they aren't allowed to have something just because it's on the floor, just because it's available, right? So initially, mm-hmm. it's done with food. Um, but uh, once they, and so would you would
1: you do this with cat poop?
2: So basically, <laughs> you then like you then train the dog the cue leave it or uh, mine, or whatever you would like the cue to be. And so then you can drop a piece of food, the dog looks at it, you say mine, or leave it, the dog looks away, you give them a different piece of food. Then you start generalizing this. So it's it's not just food that the dog can't have, it's toys, it's tennis balls. It's cat poop, right? So then you would, when you're getting to the cat poop point, right, you would go over to the, the um, litter box. Dog would look at the litter box. You would say, leave it. They would look away. You would give them another reward. Mm. So this, as you can see, is kind of a long, multi-step process. I will also say there is a fundamental issue with training this in that you have to be there to reward them for not eating the poop, right? Right. Which means that it's not going to be, you can't assume it's going to work when you're not there, right? And I think that's what it comes down to is you know, this, this works, this is how you can teach dogs to leave all sorts of things. You know, sometimes I, I would say you could even teach your dog to leave, a leave it for your cat, right? They're just like, they should be ignoring things. It's a good behavior to have. Um, but when you are expecting a dog to ignore something that's really, really great that they really love, probably um, just, you know, you wouldn't leave a stake on the ground um, and be like leave it dog and then go to work for the day and expect the steak to be there when you returned. same right. litter boxes right there's at some point going to be um you know you can't train away if you can't reward them for not do for not doing something right, right. But this is the mental thing yeah and i think you know i don't I don't recommend trying to do any of the kind of aversive things, right? Uh, spraying your dog when they get near the cat box or any of these other things, primarily because it's uh, going to affect your cat's use of the litter box, right? That you know, you don't want to make it a smelly or all the various sprays that you can spray around to kind of prevent dog's from approaching something can affect the cat using the litter box. So I would really say management. And I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I wish there was kind of in a a brilliant way. Um, But it's down to it. Dogs really want something. And if you give them access to it, they're probably going to take it.
1: Right. Yeah, it's, it's the same with with training cats, you know, if you're yelling at them or squirting them with water or shaking coins in a can, they quickly learn that all that stuff comes from you. And as soon as you leave, they're going to do it if they want to do it. So it's, it's really <laughs> ineffective. And all you're doing is making them scared of you. you exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah, and like then they'll just ignore you if you don't have the squirt bottle, right? Like, that's the thing, too, is like, they just, yeah, yeah. So, Management. I, I would say it really comes down to management, and you know, I think especially at the beginning, you can also if, if you can kind of do that alternative behavior too. Of uh, you know, the dog moves towards the litter box, you can always call it away, right? Get those sit and alternative behaviors going on. Um, you know, they can they can kind of learn a boundary. Um, of where they should and should not go. Um, and as long as you're rewarding for when they're not there, right. That we can only learn what's not good as long as when we know what is good. Right. 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 That, That those two things kind of have to go together to prevent confusion and frustration.
1: Yeah. And and so the 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 leave it technique with a dog would work really great for the cat's toys too I would assume although it's probably hard for a dog to to be able to distinguish the difference between what's the cat's toy and what's its toy and then of course once a dog gets slobber all over the cat's toy the cat's never mm-hmm. going to play with it again.
2: <laughs> yes, I yes, I completely agree. I think that's that's really uh, you know, you can do the leave it. Um, and that, that can be very effective. Um, but if there's a cat toy lying around and you weren't there to tell the dog to leave it, they're probably going to put it in their mouth. Right. But, and then yeah. at point it's their toy. They don't, they're like, what cat toy? I just yeah. like mice now. Um, but I think too, you know, we can really manage You know, the the wand toys and all of those things shouldn't be left out, in my opinion, with cats. So, you know, Mm -hmm. we can kind of manage it by pulling in, you know, by putting away some of the cat's favorite toys, too. And that, you know, once again, that prevention
1: um, is yeah. And it keeps the cats interested in the toys because they get bored with them. I I have a, a, toy box and I reset the toys every night and every day he goes and gets them and carries them around to little places and and I think he likes the fact that they're reset and he knows where to go look for them and rummage for what he wants to bring out.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you know, you can you can t- the leave it behavior is something that should be taught to dogs. Uh, across the board and then you know this leave it behavior can extend to certain furniture um, and boxes you know a toy box you know they can be taught they look over at the box they move towards it you see say leave it, they move away, you reward. They'll eventually learn to associate that no good can come from that, to- tool bo- uh, that toy box, but a lot of good can come from moving away from the toy box.
1: Yeah, and and it's leave it is such a much more positive word than no. And I think so many people are taught to train dogs They yell, no, no, and leave it is much more friendly.
2: Yeah. And, you know, and it gives the dog a chance to earn something, right? They are learning, oh, when I hear leave it, I can get something good. It's not that something bad is coming, right? Right. It's it's really trying to do that positive reinforcement and kind of making sure that we're offering opportunities for success for any animal, you know, cat and dog all respond to that positive place rather than the negative place
1: and humans too
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i think that, i think that's works for all the species all of god's creatures respond to positive reinforcement a whole lot better than negative
2: that's <laughs> true and knowing and knowing how to get the things you want right that's right. really what it comes down to so yeah and feeling like you can control the world around you is you know makes makes everyone feel happy yeah
1: yeah and the cat food similar to the cat poop um i usually tell people just plan on feeding your cat in an elevated place you know on top of the dryer is a is a convenient place usually Mm -hmm. to to feed the cat Um, of course I don't recommend free feeding, uh, you know, dry food at, at at any time for any reason. So if you're feeding your cat multiple times a day, a wet food and smaller portions, then it's not like there's food left out for the dog to get either. So, you know, either elevate that food or feed the cat in a, in an enclosed room. And then when it's done, you know, rinse out the bowl and pick up the bowl and you don't have those problems
2: exactly exactly i mean this is really like you can teach your dog to leave it right but you're going to have to stand and watch because really you know it, it is as good as steak for dogs
1: right yeah i mean it's that the leave it only works to a certain point that'd be like but, setting me down in front of a bowl of macaroni and cheese
2: it's exactly <laughs> you're just like are you sure are you sure are you watching me now are you watching me oh you're looking away there goes a bite <laughs>
1: right
2: (laughs) the same so yeah I think a lot of a lot of um you know dog and cat interactions are kind of uh going slow um and then managing both the behaviors of you know the dog primarily let's be honest we're going to manage the behaviors of the dog via leashes or um commands but also we need to manage our expectations and some things cannot be trained out, right? We're always going to have a dog that likes to sniff the cat's poop, right? Potentially eating it. We're always going to have a dog that says, "Oh, cat food is way better than dog." Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So of- access yeah, ac- managing access is is very very important.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, recognizing that that's kind of forever. Right. That access is going to, you know, it's not like, oh, suddenly, you know, I've had this dog for five years. Now I can feed my, my free feed my cat right next to my dog. No, that's, you know, it's, it's a lifetime, these management techniques, but that's right. just how it's going to be. And we want to set it up for success, you know, set this up as we're going to continue rather than, you know, constantly messing around with things. Cause the cats would rather have that consistency and it's good for the dogs to know too.
1: Yeah, and that, that's, that, this inspires me to add another page to the website that gives resources for bringing a new dog into the home because I do get so many calls where people are expecting me to fix the cat with this new dog in the house and where the cat's just exhibiting natural frightened behavior of of a a new unknown creature so maybe if people think about that ahead of time and and set up some of these things ahead of time it might might be better for success and then also I know uh, you guys at the santa fe shelter offer obedience training and and dog training at the shelter that some of those classes would help they, they address these specific issues
2: yes yes it's kind of secondarily right that like by teaching a dog to sit you're providing a way for a dog to be successful in different environments right it's that alternative behavior Rather than chasing the cat, they're sitting and, or lying down or, you know, just looking away from the cat. So definitely um, our, you can visit our website um, and look on the behavior and training uh, web page. We'll have a list of classes so you can look there to sign up. Um, or people can always call us. Um, the phone number for that is 505-983-4309, extension 1251. And we can get you signed up there. Um, and and yeah, a lot of what we see is is on the dog side too. I think cats will show the stress and the dog's like, I'm totally fine. Um, but really, if we can manage the dog's behavior, you know, that makes for a happier home.
1: Yeah. Okay. And, so. and give everybody your website also.
2: Oh, yes. Um, so um, dot org is where you can go um, and check that out. Um, we also have an email address that you can email us specifically uh, with training questions. Um, so that's training at sfhumane um, So we'll have uh, a certified trainer reach out to you um, and you know talk about these things. Um, yeah. And I think really getting a jump start on these problems sooner rather than later is also key. So yeah, give us a call. Yeah. Email us. We'll be happy to chat. Yeah.
1: That's great. That's great. Anything else you can think of that might help? integrate a new dog into a cat's life without turning a cat upside down?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think, uh, you know, it's not a Disney movie, is really what I <laughs> <say>. <laughs> That this is kind of, you know, we need to manage expectations and know that, you know, uh, bringing a puppy into your life is a big deal, and it's a really big deal in a cat's life. Um, so kind of get going slow and making sure your cat has time to adjust that you're giving them extra attention and you know, space from the dog is huge. Um, yeah, and not and and remembering too that uh, a puppy hello is really not a cat hello. You know, that they're not the yeah, cat's not gonna love it
1: when yeah. the dog wins.
2: So yeah, it's, and never expecting that to be
1: yeah. It's not your very own Milo and Otis at home, right? <laughs>
2: It's not, it's not. Um, you know, not to say that like they can't get along eventually, um, but to have that expectation, um, you know, that you know, a dog should never be brought home from a, a shelter um and let loose with a cat. That you know, the safety of both really needs to be prioritized.
1: Yeah. Safety and, and respect too. Yeah. There's you know, whether it's whether it's a cat or whether it's a a dog or whatever animal you have in your home first, mm-hmm. you bring home a new animal. I, I believe that there should be a, a high degree of respect for that incumbent animal that's been with you all this time and understanding from its position what you're doing to its environment.
2: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you know your your pet and so take advantage of, of knowing what is normal for them and knowing signs of stress and kind of, you know, trying to address them early, right? These stress signals can be small um, or large, you know, peeing on your bed or pooping and all, it could be large, but, you know, respecting that as a signal, right? It's not the cat is angry at you or hates the dog, right? They're stressed and they're um, showing signs of that and, you know, addressing it from, or framing it in that way. Um, can help us, you know, be better. Um,
1: yeah. You know, yeah. Sort of- it's not, it's not mad. Cats, cats don't feel anger. They feel, they feel stress and they feel fear, but they, they very, they don't feel mad at you.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. Or mad at the dog, right. They can be stressed by the dog. They're most likely going to be stressed by the dog. Um, so it's our responsibility to kind of prevent and mitigate where we can.
1: Yeah. Well, good. This has been helpful. Thank you for joining us today.
2: Yeah, of course. Of course. Happy to be here.
1: Yeah, great. And if any of you listening have been helped by the information in one of these podcasts, or maybe our Cat Behavior Solutions blog, or maybe I've consulted with you. We'd love to hear the difference it made for you and your cat. Email me at molly at cattalkradio.com. So thanks everyone for tuning in today. And until next time, keep calm and
0: purr on. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend.